Greetings to everyone from whichever part of the world you are joining us to this on this webinar today. We are so happy to have you, and thank you for always making our time to uh, join with us uh, on our monthly webinars. Uh, we remain committed here at our Daily Bread Ministries. We remain committed to making the Word of God understandable and accessible to all people. And uh, we are working tirelessly to see that uh, uh, the discipleship effort is, uh, has gained root in Africa and uh, believers are encouraged. So we speak on every imagined issues. As uh, you will know, especially those who are following us on our websites through our discovery series and many other resources that uh, we have. Today we are meeting on uh, this webinar this afternoon, and I'm glad to uh, introduce us to the webinar. But before we do that, uh, let me say a word of prayer and then we'll continue from there. So if you would join me in prayer. Our dear Lord and our Father, we thank you for your loving kindness to us. Thank you because uh, you show us mercy and uh, graces daily, enough that we need to pass through those each day. We thank you, we are grateful. Thank you for bringing us uh, from different parts of Africa and the world to this webinar today. I ask that you lead us by your spirit as we continue. I ask that you'll bring your word expressly to us in a way that we will understand. I ask Lord that uh, you bless your servant who is going to lead us in the conversation under the topic that we have today. Please be glorified. And uh, uh, at the end, we'll give you the glory. She's our prayer with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so um, just quickly to introduce myself, my name is Ishaya Yunwadurkwa. I work with our Daily Bread Ministries in the Africa region, and I serve as uh, the um, editor for the region. And here in this webinar, we have uh, our Vice President for Africa region, Dr. Elwa, and we have uh, regional staff uh, joining us uh, from uh, South Africa, uh, from Kenya, from Nigeria, and uh, of course, we have many of our followers who are still signing and joining on this webinar. I'm going to introduce our guest speaker today. Uh, so our brother Dan Kramer, who is the Vice President for uh, Special Initiatives for Africa, uh, who was supposed to carry out this task, but uh, is held by uh, flight issues somewhere uh, in our world. And so I am doing this on his behalf. And what you will hear me say by way of introducing the speaker is uh, the, uh, the exact, exact words of uh, Dan Kramer, who crafted it. 
and forwarded it. So I'm going to read it as I introduce the guest speaker. After the guest speaker, Yemi will come up to do a question and answer session. And after that, our um, Vice President, Dr. Elwa will have uh, a room to uh, say a word of thanks, and then we'll continue as the Lord leads us to the end. So let me introduce our speaker who will be speaking on the subject before us today. How did God make us? And I'm very interested. I have special interest in this topic to understand, knowing that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But the how that I am made is uh, what I will look, yeah, listen keenly as our speaker unpack the subject. So when we talk about, uh, this is the introduction from Dan Kramer. When you talk about how God made you, you are talking about the design of a person along with the potential of that person through God's eyes. While I cannot uh, be those eyes, I can see a lot of those characteristics in our speaker as I have known him as a student, a professional, and a friend that I desire to work with further. God made this man a leader and someone who can motivate others. He is a person of excellence, as I have seen it in his work, but more importantly, in his passion. He has professionally achieved, but he has existed humbly. Most recently, he has shared desires with me about God-given vision for doing more. This is the kind of person who can speak greatly about this subject because he's a living testimony of how God designs us, uses us, and excels us for his glory. Dr. Awokoya S.O. David is a faculty member of Equa Theological Seminary Igbaja, Kwara State, Nigeria, in the Faculty of Biblical Studies and Theological Studies and theology. He is currently the Deputy Provost of Academic Affairs, Equa Theological Seminary, Igbaja, and Head of the Management of Equa College of Education, Igbaja. He is also a Biblical Studies and Theology Scholar with concentration in Old Testament and Systematic Theology, respectively. Dr. Owokoya has both a theological and university education is a music minister, drama minister, a teacher, and an evangelist. He is an ordained minister of the gospel and ordained was ordained by the Evangelical Church, winning all, popularly known Equa. And with this, uh, from Dan Kramer, I take the liberty and the privilege to introduce our brother to take over as he makes his presentation on this subject that is before us. So, Dr. Awokoya, you're welcome. Thank All you. Right. Thank you, sir, Prof. Good afternoon, everybody. Good morning at other region. We are all welcome in Jesus' name. I want to use this medium and the privilege to appreciate our delivered ministry and uh, the organizers of this program. I want to appreciate the regional director and every staff working at the region and of course, at the Nigerian level, I am very grateful for this privilege 
I want to especially appreciate our brother Dan Kramer, who is unaffordably absent. He has been uh, a mentor, and God has used him so much uh, for me and to the glory of God. He supervised me at one point, and uh, it was quite interesting working with him. So I want to really appreciate this opportunity, and I want to welcome everybody that is present here today. I trust God to bless us through uh, our discussion this afternoon or this morning in Jesus' name. We have prayed, but prayer cannot be too much. So permit me to just say a word of prayer as we proceed. Father, I ask that at this minute, you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, we are all welcome in Jesus' name. Let me quickly uh, introduce the topic to uh, us as we all know before now, but for the interest of those who may not know, the topic is how did God make me? How did God make me? That is the topic. The topic has come in a question form and uh, such question, anybody will be curious to know about it. We all want to know about ourselves and how we came into existence and beyond that, what is the purpose of God for creating us? What is the purpose of our existence? As we proceed, permit me to read from the scriptures. I want to read about three places quickly, but not very long texts. Genesis chapter one, verses 26 and 27 is the first text I want to read. Genesis chapter one, Verses 26 and 27, the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all eggs, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And the second text is Genesis chapter 2, where I will read verse 18. Then after verse 18, I will move to verse 20. Verse 18 of Genesis chapter, 20, chapter 2 says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any of the garden of the tree, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. And the following verse says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make an apple suitable for him. Permit me to jump to verse 20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was formed. Let me jump to verse 23 downward. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a 
man. And the last passage I want to read before we proceed is Psalms 129, I mean 39, which our director has quoted in passing. Psalm 139, verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that fully well. This is the word of God which serves as our major source of information about human existence and the source of life. In the book of Genesis, we read of the account of the creation of everything. Genesis chapter one started with the introduction of God creating the heavens and the earth and gave us the narration of how every other thing uh, were created. And the verses we have read in Genesis chapter one gave us understanding of how God decided to create man in his own image. And that aspect of the image of God has become a subject of interest to biblical scholars, theologians, and even those in court we may want to call laymen to biblical studies outside there. Now, what is this particular thing about man that made man to be different from all other creatures and especially animals? We remember that scientists have attempted to prove origin of man and even through the theory of evolution that was made popular by Charles Darwin. But the biblical account that we have read from Genesis stated that God created man in his own image. And when we get to chapter two of the book of Genesis, there is an explanation of the process that was followed in the formation of man. God molded the clay, and after that, he breathed the breath of life into him, and man became a living being. I want to say that until the point when God breathed the breath of life into man, man was not better than a mere status. He was not better than just a golden image, a clay image that anybody can carry up and smash on the ground. But when the breath of life comes into man, he became a living being. Now, that which enters into man is beyond what other animals carries. And that is why it is a taboo for any man to take the life of another man. When God breaks into man, the communicable attributes of God was passed onto man. And among other things, man received the capacity for relationship with God, for communion with God. And that is why among every other creatures, it is man that has been given the capacity for relationship with God, to know God, to fellowship with him. Beyond that, man was placed in charge of every other thing the Lord God has created. And by implication, God placed man on earth to represent him, to serve as his ambassador, and more importantly, to rule over the rest of the creatures that the Lord God has created. Beyond that, again, God gave man 
not only the ability to reason, but he gave him the capacity to act and react. And also he gave him what we call free will, ability to decide what to do and what not to do. This was the exact thing man later abused as we read in Genesis chapter three later. Now here in Genesis chapter two, Adam was the first man to be created. In Genesis chapter one, when we started from verse one, the Bible used the word creation. When we get to verse uh, 26 to 27, the Lord God said, let us make man in our own image. And therefore some people have argued, was God, was man really created or man was made? The important thing to note here is that man was actually created. However, the way God brought about man was different from those of other creatures. If we start to read from verse four of Genesis and below, God commanded every other thing into existence. But when it comes to the man, he went into practicals because he has made substance available, which he created by himself. And that is the land. And of course, in Genesis chapter one, verse one, the word create was used there, which in biblical studies and in Old Testament, the Hebrew language used there for create is bara. Coming to verse 26, 27, the word changed to asa, which is to make. And this time around is peculiar to the acts of God in forming man, in going to an activity. The clay substance or the sand, the, 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 the dust, the clay aspect of the ground that God used in forming man was so special. And thereafter, he bred the bread of life in the man. Man thereafter now carried the will, the emotion, and the intelligence. And that is why we see man doing what man is doing on earth today, performing excellently, because God has given man capacity beyond every other creature. Now in verse two, the verses I have selected to read pointed out what happened after the first species, which is Adam. In the man Adam, Adam is a generic term. The man that was created first, in him, God has created every generation that will come. What do I mean by that? When God in Genesis chapter one made man, the Bible further explained that he made them male and female. Genesis chapter two explained the process to us. And that is why in the book of Psalm 139 verse 14, we read that we are fearfully and wonderfully made because God himself went into an exercise to bring about the formation of man. He breathed into the nostril of man and man became a living being. Now, Adam as an entity, singular now, was living the masculine gender. He was available. But then, walking the garden alone with animals and the rest, and God said, and that's the second phase of this discussion, it is not good for him alone to be. 
I will give him an ethnic. That led to the creation of, uh, that led to bringing out the woman from the man. And many people have argued that the woman was not an original creation and the woman was not in the image of God. I want to state that in Adam, every creation has been included. Humanity was what God has formed in Adam. And I want to explain further. When God eventually brought Eve out of Adam, now we have two, uh, two genders now, two individuals, two personality. The purpose of bringing out Eve was for companionship and thereafter procreation. Now, after God has brought out Eve, now we have the masculine gender, we have the feminine gender. After the two of them, we don't have any other account where God repeated the exercise of creating man all over again. From Genesis chapter four, they began to give birth and from there, they began to occupy just like God have instructed, instructed them increase and multiply. They continue to multiply and every generation came from that singular source. And that is the wonder of God that he has performed through man. And in one man, we can have as many children as possible through just one woman. And that is how this, our world has been populated today. Beyond that again, when God now created the woman as companion for man, a lesson to be learned there is that I am not made just for myself. I need the assistance of the other person. The potentials I have in me, I need somebody to help me to maximize them. There is need for somebody sometimes that we discover who we are first. But things we cannot successfully do alone. There is no island. God has created us for one another. And that's why in Genesis chapter one, male and female, he created them. The man is equal to the woman. The woman is equal to the man. Until the fall in Genesis chapter three, the woman was not necessarily a subject to the man. And of course, even despite the fall, the woman was not a lesser image of God. In fact, she was not the image of man. As some people will want to claim that the woman is more or less the image of man. No, she's the image of God like the man because the same uh, species that man has created initially, that was from where he, that, that God has created initially, that was where he did the separation and they both begin to coexist. And when we proceed to Genesis chapter three, we we'll discover that when Eve ate the fruit and Adam ate, the two of them were affected. That was the origin of the imputed sin to the generation of man. And even at that, they were still in the hand of God who created them. When God sent them out of the garden of Eden, he sent them out purposefully. 
and the same God was working out their redemption. Now, from Genesis chapter 1, we saw the creation. In Genesis chapter 2, Adam, God gave him privilege to begin to manifest his potentials. He named every creature. Animals began to come to him, and he was naming them. And God said they should dwell in the garden. And in Genesis chapter 3 again, God has given them their being in the garden. God has been relating with them. And they are to do in the garden as they like, except that they must not cross the law. That is to say, everything God has given us, he has given us to maximize and to bring the best out of ourselves, making things better here in the world for one another. However, it must be that we are living with the consciousness of God. Because in Genesis chapter 3, when they fail to uphold the instruction of God and they attempted to listen to the voice of the serpent, which he followed, it brought about separation between them and God. And they found themselves in the fallen state. But God still so loved them. He didn't kill them immediately. Why was it that God did not kill them? Because they still carry his image. And that is why I want to believe that the image of God remains in man. And God is still interested in that which he has deposited in man. So he didn't kill them. He allowed them to be. However, he was working out a way of redemption for them. And that is why, as children of God, we should not condemn anybody. God has given us the privilege to know Christ. And with that same privilege, we have the mandate to show people the way to Christ. We don't need to condemn the sinner in their sinful state. But in the love of Christ, we bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ. Because when man fell in the garden of Eden, God rebuked them. He did not kill them. He did not reject them. He did not withdraw that which he has deposited in them. He didn't withdraw it from them. That is why all of us are who we are today. And let me further say that we are unique beings. All of us have our uniqueness. In fact, we have capacity to relate with God at different levels. If we read, if we read through the scriptures, Adam was able to relate with God in a very unique way. And thereafter, we read of Moses, the way he also related with God. Now, our ability to relate with God and the, 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 the privileges we have, we should not use it to oppress others because all of us are so unique. All of us are loaded with potentials. There is nobody that God created that he has not deposited something in him or her. It is now dependent on each of us to maximize that which God has deposited in us for the benefit of advancing the kingdom of God on earth. And that is the more reason why all of us must complement one another. And there is no reason for competition 
and there is no reason for one to oppress or suppress the other because if I follow what God has deposited in me, I will do everything possible to use everything in me for the glory of God. If the other person so do the same, then we all will do the work of God and fulfill the purpose of God, even here on earth, as we prepare for eternity. The Bible point says, iron sharpens iron. And when we look at a file that we use to sharpen a knife or a cutlass, knife, I mean, a file may be very small, knife may be very big, or the cutlass may be very big. But in its own capacity, the file is significant and it is very unique. The knife must not despise the file because without the file, knife will not be able to maximize its potentials because if it is not sharpened, it will not be able to perform the purpose it was manufactured for. That is how God has created us differently loaded us with grace and potential differently. And when we recognize what God has given us, we have to carry out our duties and our obligations with all sense of humility and reference, taking into consideration the fact that there is nothing we have that we got by ourselves. In fact, we don't merit it. God in his will, for voluntarily gave us out of his love and we should not brag about it and we should not look down on any other. The Apostle Paul, when discussing the aspect of ministry, even as, as he discussed the spiritual gifts, he made us to understand that these gifts are different. They are available. God could give one the gift of apostleship, another one speaking in tongues, another one administration. Everyone should do what he needed to do, play his or her role correctly. And of course, all of us at one point or the other needs each other. The one who is gifted in administration, that is his uniqueness, but should not say he doesn't need the one that is blessed with the grace for hospitality. Because if he doesn't recognize the potential of that one, he may die in hunger. Or certain assistance needed sometimes, he may not be able to have them. So as we respond to God with that which he has given us, we are also having the obligation to respond to fellow human beings, making the best out of one another as God has given us the grace and of course we need to understand that as children of god the work of the ministry that what do i mean to say there is special calling there is general calling the moment we give our all come under the general calling go into the world and make disciples of all nations but when we do this based on that which God has given us with our uniqueness and ability. It is not everybody that has the grace to be on the street to evangelize. Some are blessed in such a way. Whereas some other people 
they have the grace to go into the hospital to carry out their function. Some are not good speakers, but when they hold their pen, they can cover length. Some cannot write souls, but when they speak, win souls. And there are people who win souls to a practical move, activeness in the ministry. And there are some others who win souls by relationship. So it is not everybody that does it even by speaking. Some are doing it by relationship. That is witnessing by character. That is witnessing by living out the life of Christ. Just like it happened to the apostles of old, it was what they saw in their lives that made them to be revival as Christians, lead to Christ because they were behaving like Christ. So what God has given us is so unique. We were made in such a way that each of us is peculiar. Each of us is unique. And each of us have capacity to go to any length with God based on has given us. And therefore, everyone needs to portion. I don't need to feel the potential of the other person. Rather, I need to give that person support to be fulfilled. It is unfortunate that in Christendom today, there is this pull in or pull down syndrome that is famous. When somebody is climbing the ladder, instead of us to give support and even use our gifts and ability and potential to build that person, another thing is what will begin to happen. It is because we have not recognized how we were made that each of us, there is no one that is made to be inferior to the other. Those we consider as superior maximizes that which God has given them. That's why we consider them as superior to us. So if I also take into consideration that which God has given me and I walk at it, I make use of it, and I do that which God expects me to do, definitely in a good time in God's own way, and we have fulfillment in his own way. And as I want to round up, I want to say that God who created us has expectations on us. Everything he has given us, he has not given us for free. The hand, the leg, the mouth, the eyes, the nose, everything are meant to serve his purpose. He has not given us for fun. And when God has commissioned special ministries into our hands, I've talked about general ministry the other time for every one of us to witness. But there are people who have special ministry that have calling into the pastoral ministry full time, calling into the ministry of an evangelist full time. Those are people that have special ministry with full time calling. Yes, they go into it but they also need the support of others. And even at that, various arm of the ministry, this one is called as a missionary, this one is called as an evangelist, is unique in this. This one is a pastor. This one is a, 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 is a revivalist. This one is a teacher. This one is a discipler. That is God for us. He has given all of us different different gifts different different grace from the time of creation we are only living to discover 
what God has deposited in us and who we are. And that is why it is important for us to have self-discovery so that we will be able to have fulfillment. One of the challenges today is that if I fail to discover myself, if I fail to discover my uniqueness, I may subject myself to intimidation by the uniqueness and grace of the other person. And before I know it, I may start to build on inferiority complex. No, Mr. A is unique. Mr. B is unique. He has the capacity to relate with God in the way God has given him grace and also have capacity to build others. So as children of God, God has made us in a way that we can even build one another as we build the kingdom of God. And as children of God, as Christians, as believers, the work of the kingdom of God is a teamwork. It's expected to be a teamwork. Just like our daily bread ministry is doing now, bringing everybody together. And like other ministries in other places are also trying to do, bringing every other person together, let us share, how do we do it? How do we go this way? How do we move on? Because I want to use the analogy of farm. It is just one farm that all of us are working from different corners. Some are using oak, some are using cutlass, some needs to climb tree. They are given the skill and the ability to climb. Some needs to irrigate that particular farm. Some need to weed that farm. He has given all of us what we need to serve him and to serve humanity and to be of benefit even unto ourselves as individual, as a family, as a local church, and even the universal body of Christ. And that is why when man fell in the garden of Eden, God did not kill them. He allowed them to continue to exist because what he has put in them he needed that thing to still manifest. He needed them to still be fulfilled at the end of the day, despite their falling state. And at the end of the day, he worked out our redemption through the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why we have the grace today to fellowship together as believers in Jesus Christ. And as we journey together to the kingdom of God, I pray that God will give us more grace to maximize that which God has deposited in us and to be able to recognize our uniqueness and use it for the glory of God and for the betterment of the kingdom of God here on earth in Jesus' name. Once again, I appreciate this privilege. God bless you. Thank you so much, uh, Doctor, for this wonderful presentation. Truly appreciate it. And at this point, I will uh, invite uh, Brother Yemi to uh, lead us for quick uh, question and answers. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, Doctor, for the wonderful teaching. Uh, it's time for our question and answer. Um, if you have a question, you can drop it in the Q and A box. 
And if you have a comment, you can drop it in the chat box. And if you want to ask your question verbally, you can click on the raise hand icon and I will unmute you to speak. So I have the first question from an anonymous attendee. And the person is asking, what does it mean we are made in God's image? Okay, I should answer right away. Yes, sir. All right. Like I said in the course of the presentation, when God breathed the breath of life into man, he passed on to man his communicable attributes. He passed on to man that which it takes to be able to relate with God, which he doesn't give to animals or all other uh, beings or creatures that he has created. And far beyond that, he has given the he has, he has given man the ability to be able to explore that which he has deposited in him. And I also mentioned that part of what we say when it comes to what God has given man is the ability to reason, the ability to choose, and the ability to act and react. We call it will, emotion, and intellect or intelligence. And I have also said that in a way, at the end of it, because of that which we share with God is what will qualify us at the end of the day to go back to heaven and fellowship with it. Because there is a level of uh, capacity for relationship with God that other creatures don't have. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I've got another question from Greg Temple. And Greg is asking, what is your view regarding they are entrusted with the privilege to rule others? and yet use the power to oppress others. All right, thank you. Yes, from the start, in fact, God gave privilege for man to rule the universe. And also among men, leaders we emerge, definitely. However, it is an abuse to use our uniqueness and our God-given grace and ability to oppress others. It is part of the uh, 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 manifestation of the flesh, if I'll put it that way, because we are to be humbled even when we have such privileges. And one of the challenges is that if one has not encountered Jesus Christ and has not been broken down, then every opportunity to lead, one may use it to oppress others and disallow them. In fact, there are people that climb the ladder to the top and they remove from the ladder from others, denying them the grace to rise. It is an abuse because if we are conscious of the fact that it is a privilege for us to lead, it is a privilege for us to be ahead of others. The assignment is we use that of suppress them. Um, thank you, sir. Um, I think those are the two questions we've got. I don't know if other people still want to ask. Okay. 
I've got another question again. Yeah, this is like a two-in-one question from Tabitha Abeka. And Tabitha is asking that, how do you know what gifts God has deposited in you? That's the first one. The second one is, must the gift be used in church to be classified as being used for the work of God? Or they can be used in normal day work or a secular work or job? All right, thank you. Uh, how can I identify the gifts God has given me? One, it will manifest in us. That will be manifestation. And sometimes when certain things are manifesting in us, we need to be conscious of it. Two, when it becomes a, 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 a point of, will I use attraction now, or that which is bringing others' attention to God in us, then we should develop it. There are gifts God has given us, but that we don't develop sometimes. And when it comes to where do we use the gifts, it is not every gift that are meant to be used in the church. Take for instance now, if God has given me grace to go out and evangelize, my assignment with my gift is to go outside of the church and win souls and recruit them to the church. It is not that I will be witnessing to those who already know Christ. Pastor is to nurture them, disciple them, and make them to grow. So there are gifts God has given us that are not strictly meant for the church. I am not saying not to be used in the church at all, but not strictly meant to be used for the church. There are gifts that we can use outside there for the purpose of the kingdom of God and even the benefits of the church at the end of the day. And that's why we must know the gift God has given us and the direction for the use of the gift. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I have another question from Olivia Nancy. And Olivia is asking, I didn't hear so much about Jesus. Does he have a place for that? About Jesus? Yes. In creation or in the gift or in the image of God in man? Um, she I wish to understand the question. Um, Olivia, please, if you can rephrase the question, we'll gladly appreciate that. Let me go to the next one. If everyone are created in God's if everyone create are created in God's image are unique, superior, how can we continue with sinners in their sinful lifestyle? This is from Mrs. Oye Ali Adenike. How can we continue with yeah. sinners? Okay. Yeah, let me rephrase it again. If everyone created in God's image are unique, superior, okay. how can we continue with sinners in their sinful lifestyles? Okay. That is, how can we as children of God continue to relate with sinners yes. in their sinful lifestyle? Okay. Yes. Uh, I have said in the course of the presentation that part of what God has given us is witnessing by character. It is not everyone that we come to know Christ by a message from the pulpit. It is not everyone that we read tracts 
before meeting Christ. All of us are surrounded with people that miss the gospel. So number one thing is that there is need for what I call lifestyle evangelism. Our life must witness to them. And of course, they, they, when they see the way we live for Christ and the love we show towards them as we technically and patiently bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ, chances are that they will even be the one to approach us to show them our Jesus. Part of the challenges we have today is that most Christians believe that everybody must be preached to, carrying the Bible or being on the pulpit. There are people that we give their life to Jesus Christ as they see us living the life of Christ. In fact, sometimes our righteous life can condemn sin in them without us using our mouth to tell them that this thing you are doing is strong because the society we are today, everyone knows what is right and what is not right, but not everyone knows what sin is when it comes to pointing it out from the Bible. But it is me as a child of God that we leave it out and let them know and effectually we have some of them that will give their life to Jesus Christ. Just like I said in the Garden of Eden, man sinned. God did not kill man. He did not reject them. He sent them out and work out our redemption eventually. So when we live with sinners around us, our obligation is not to condemn them, but to in love show them the way to Christ. As we are the light of God in their midst. And that is the way I think we can approach it. Okay, thank you, sir. Yeah, I have another question from Caston in Bugua. And Caston is saying, since Christian witness should be Christ-centered, what is the place of Christ in the making of man? Okay, thank you. Uh, when we go back to Genesis, in the creation account, in the beginning, God created man. The word that was used for God there in the Hebrew language, which is the language of the Old Testament, the word Elohim is a word that has a plural ending, showcasing plural of majesty, representing God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Down to verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, when God said, come, let us make man in our own image, God was not inviting angels. He was not talking to angels. It was the counsel of God, which comprises of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in Trinitarian theology, we understand that these three are one. It is still the same God, but presenting and manifesting himself as Father, as son and as the Holy Spirit. So in the let us create man that we have in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that is where we have the involvement of Jesus Christ and even the Holy Spirit. And that text is not all about angels or any other being. And therefore, we said we have the involvement of Christ in the creation of man, even from Genesis chapter 1. Thank you, sir. 
Thank you, sir. Um, great. Tembo is asking a follow-up question to what he asked before. He's saying, how do you classify secular jobs such as economists, engineers, accountants, doctors, etc.? Can one be called in any of these secular jobs? I would say yes. Yes. I said something initially. There is general calling. There is special calling. And of course, it is not everybody that God will call to the pulpit. Don't forget that this, the gifts that God analyzed, not all of those gifts are meant for the pulpit. Some of them are professional. Like when we talk of administration, yes, pastors are also administrators, administering in the church. But beyond that, we have people that are gifted and by virtue of the grace of God and the Holy Spirit in them can use their office to witness for Christ. So it is not only into the pastorate or into church uh, based ministry or profession that God can call people into. God can call and lead you into a secular job where he will use you. We have had testimony of a number of people who have made comforts in their office as accountants, in fact, as medical doctors, and God using them through that profession. Okay. Thank you, sir. Um, I think this is just a comment from Yisa Shegun Subairo. And he's saying, man lost his original righteousness and lost communion with God and was banished from his presence. Man's whole nature was affected, mind, heart, and will. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, I think that's okay. Okay, this is the last question here. Let me quickly take it. And it's saying there are people who have the opinion that every born again Christian have to have a gift of speaking in tongues. What's your view on it? My view is this. All the gifts that Paul listed for us, one person cannot carry all of them. So going back to where we started from, how God made us and our uniqueness, God has given individual of us that which commensurate with, let me use the ministry you even want to use us for. So that I don't speak in tongue does not mean I don't have spiritual gifts. Because when you look at the spiritual gift that was led by God, we have about 16 of them. And not everybody will carry all of the 16. So if I don't speak in tongue, I am not less spiritual than somebody who speaks in tongues. I may have another gift. It may be gifts of administration. It may be gift of hospitality. It may be apostleship. It may be teaching. It could be there are people who are privileged to have two. There are privileged just for people who have one. There are people who have three. But not everybody must have the same gift. And that is why I want to say that for the fact that somebody is not speaking in tongue does not mean it's not born again. It does not mean it's not spiritual. Speaking in tongue is a gift like any other gift. God can choose to give me one gift and give the other person another gift. And let me quickly say briefly on the comment. Yes, the righteousness 
and everything about man. That's going back to the falling state of man, which I talked about. That in the falling state of man, it is not that God withdraw everything from man. He let them go. Yes, that was why we call it falling state. There was a kind of level of corruption. Their relationship with God was affected. They are no longer worthy as usual to withstand the presence of God. And that was why I continue to emphasize that even at that, God was after them to work out their righteousness. There was imputed sin that has been transmitted to all of us. But at the same time, we are now having imputed righteousness through the righteousness of Christ who have saved us by his redemptive death on the cross and his resurrection. Thank you. All right, sir. Um, permit me to take this last set of questions because they are, I think they are very important. Um, it's come, one is coming from Samaila Usman, and Samaila is asking that if I'm currently working as a medical practitioner and now I'm sensing God's call, how do I confirm it? And he's speaking in tongues and evidence of being born again. That's like two Let's start from the last one. Speaking, okay, speaking in tongues, yes. evidence of being born again. <laughs> yes and no. Demons <laughs> also speak in tongues. And what is this tongue all about? Tongue is a language. In fact, in some other translations, it is not tongue. It is translated as foreign language. So it's a foreign language that you don't learn from anywhere. And by grace under Christ, Maybe under, under prayer, you are given that grace for edification. That is what it's meant for. And of course, the devil has also succeeded in making some of these things available, making people to speak in tongue, the counterfeit of it, to confuse the church today. And the church needs to be careful because we are, we are now having those in the majority. So speaking in tongue is a gift and yes, if I am born again, I can receive it. It could be one of the evidence, but not in all cases, because there are people who don't speak in tongue and are, are who speak in tongue and are not born again. And are people who don't speak in tongue and are also born again. Now, if I'm a medical practitioner and I'm sensing the call of God, what do I do? Yes. Going back to this aspect of uniqueness that God has given us, I can walk to my pastor to, to share with him what I am sensing. He can join me in prayer. Now, the, the chances are that around me, I also have firebrand brethren who can also join me in prayer. And if finally God is now leading me, that he needed me, to come out of the medical profession and go into full-time pastoral ministry or missionary ministry or evangelistic ministry. So be it. But there is need to confirm if God, if that calling is to leave that profession completely or God wants him to, uh, in another capacity, bring the approach of the ministry into the profession, witnessing through the profession. There are medical doctors today who witness through their profession. We have lawyers who witness through their profession. So there is need to be sure that God is leading out completely 
to go and face full-time ministry. I'm saying this because we have seen people that will come to the seminary from the secular world. They will claim God has called them. But thereafter, after finishing from the seminary, after being in the, in the church for a while, maybe because they are not comfortable, I'm not too sure, they will quit and go back to the secular job that they are doing. Or they want to go into bifurcation. From the start, be sure, if God wants you to go into bifurcation to maintain your medical doctor and your medical career and still venture into witnessing or discipleship, there are people who combine the two. They, we call it bifurcational ministry. But if it is full-time, we can walk to our pastors, talk to brethren around, join us in prayer. We have confirmation, then we move on. Um, thank you, sir. Yeah, um, this question will be our last question. It's a two-in-one question as well. It's coming from Frederick Omaya. Uh, Frederick is asking that, he's saying, thank, thank for the good uh, message you have shared on how God made me. Whereas I underscore the scriptural teaching in regards to all being made in the image of God. Why is there such a big difference between the Blacks, the Asians, the Arabs, and the Caucasians? That's the first question. Okay. And the second question is, why do Africans, despite the fact that we are so actively involved in the church, but we have so many challenges as a continent, including civil wars, poverties, uh, poverty and ignorance. All right, yeah. Starting from the first one, I want to see that question in uh, maybe two, three dimensions. One, difference in skin color. Two, difference in language. And maybe three, Difference in opportunities and economic growth, fine. All of us, whether black, brown, white, or whatever color we carry, we are all created in the image of God. Our skin color could be traced to different uh, areas. The geographical location from where we are come from, genetics in biology, like we learned, and of course, if you are born in uh, a certain rainy forest or climatic zone, certain things will influence. Even if a white person comes down to live in a zone where there is every uh, sun ray all the time, the skin color will influence. But beyond that, you know, God created this world and at the effect of the Torah of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, where God confused their language, they have to move into different places. And from there, they begin to occupy the world. That is the origin of languages. So I follow the one that I understand this language. You follow the one that you understand uh, language and finding ourselves in different geographical zones a lot of things influences our color and it becomes what we call race or dialect or tribe as the case may be. And different countries of the world today, we have the markations and the specialities. Now, when it comes to our peculiar in Africa, despite the fact that we have churches everywhere, why is it that 
natural disasters and other challenges are, are confronting us. Uh, as much as we are seeing it from the African perspective, I want to say that it is not as if other parts of the world, other continents are completely exempted, but ours is peculiar. And let me mention that for the fact that we have churches everywhere does not mean that that is the rate at which everybody has come to the knowledge of Christ. We have a lot of churches today, but even inside the church, how many children of God, I mean people that are born again, that have given their life to Jesus Christ, do we have rights in the church? When you see a lot of violent activities that are going on today, even some of our youths that are into internet fraud and all other forms of activities, they are people from, the, from one church or the other, the Peters and the Deborahs. So it means that we still have much to do. And coming back to who we are in our own parts of the world here, you know that there is a level of impatience among us and a number of things are affecting us. So I want to say that, yes, we have churches. Things are happening because not many have been reached with the gospel of Christ, even though we have them in the church. And finally, we also need to be conscious of the fact that we are at the age of fulfillment of certain biblical prophecies and things are unfolding gradually at this end time. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I think my editor has the comments to make. Thank you, Dr. David. I just, something just pricked my mind and I need to make a quick comment about it. Um, the myth that makes people to think that uh, certain uh, people are lower than others. For example, Africans are inferior to the whites because Africans have not been able to develop their uh, continent the way the whites uh, um, have done. And people are using that to uh, bring up a theory that uh, there is differences. Uh, now that is, even when you look at the West, truth be told, most of the inventions in the world are done by black people. Even when you go to the, uh, to the US, for example, recently it was a black man from Nigeria that invented the glasses that have the ability to detect cancer cells. And you need to check his profile. So you see, black people doing great things in different places. Uh, so uh, in terms of uh, intellect and emotion and will, all of us have the same. Now we can talk about the nuances that makes that we have not been able to develop ourselves, which will go to the history of colonial uh, hangover. And we can talk about even the uh, possible, what, what made colonialism, uh, a, an issue in history and look at all of those things. But I believe that the greatest challenge is that of leadership. And if we look at it, we can build heaven on earth, even in Africa. And of course, I agree with you. Today, if you go to a place where people are drinking certain kind of water, you'll find out that their teeth are brown. Is their environment that makes it. So geographically, your habitat um, um, influences you 
and eventually it becomes a, a genetic thing that you can even give birth to a child that looks like a person that is born within that environment. Science has proven that. So it's a myth. All of us are created in the image of God after his likeness and are the same. And you know, we can talk about this again and again and again. What we need to do is to talk about leadership. And of course, this is where our deliberate ministries, we said we are committed to making God's word speak to us in a way that we understand and in a simple way so that we can use God's word to bring the needed transformation in our world, um, even in Africa, as it were. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, I think I still have like two minutes. Um, Emmanuel Akwai, you can unmute your microphone and speak. Can make it brief. Hello. Okay. Hello. You can, you can hear you. Hello. You can hear me. Yeah. Yes, you can hear me. First of all, I thank the presenter. He has done very well. Now, my issue is in the church. Uh, Paul has given directions on how tongue speaking should come on. But at times you go there and you cannot differentiate between uh, the devil's motivated. Uh, uh, tongue speaking as from that of uh, God's motivated one. How can how can one differentiate it? All right, thank you, sir. <laughs> I think this is where the gift of discernment is needed. There is need for discernment. And if we have the gift of discernment, definitely. I have witnessed instances where they tell some of them to keep quiet and they have to keep quiet because they are not of God. So discernment is what the church needs. It's discernment that pastors need because it is true that everything is being mixed up today. But with the gift of discernment and Holy Spirit helping us, we can be able to identify. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, sir, for this session. Um, this time tomorrow, the recording of this webinar will be on our YouTube channel and on our <clears throat> website, so you can come back to watch it all over again and also share it with friends and families. And also remember to follow us on all our social media handles. Um, so I'll hand over to our vice president for the Africa region for the vote of thanks and closing prayer. Thank you very much, bro, uh, <clears throat> bro Yemi, for a good coordination of QA. Thank you, bro Ishaya, for uh, standing tall in you, in uh, uh, presiding over these things instead of uh, our brother Dan. Dr. David, thank you very much. Uh, the topic was as equal to the man that handled the topic. And thank you for uh, bringing it so vividly and so in simple ways, I mean, simple words to help each and every one of us to understand that indeed I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And God made me with a purpose. And thank you for also uh, uh, elaborating the fact that we have different gifts and I don't need to be intimidated whatsoever, or feel inferior or superior. Uh, gifts 
are given not for our own use, like the Bible says, and you mentioned it so strongly. Thank you for that. Uh, we live in a in a in a world where more and more, like you say, the church, I think one of the greatest needs discernment. And at times we do lack. So and people confuse a lot of things, but thank you for bringing us back, you know, to, to God's word. Thank you for everybody that have joined us today in this webinar. We do hold it once every month to just come and discuss about silent issues concerning the life of the church. And at ODB, this is part of our mission. We want to make it accessible, this life uh, transforming power of God's word. Thank you, everybody. As even we look forward to see you next week, I mean, next month. Uh, Dr. David, thank you very much. Uh, come you. along, and I'm pretty sure uh, your doors are, are open to us. You could knock anytime and even bring you to speak more. And even in some controversial topics, I'm pretty sure, you know, out there where we have to come and really rub our minds together and analyze all these things at the at the light of God's word. And uh, 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 we, we are really very much grateful for everybody in Africa and uh, uh, abroad. God bless you. Let us pray together as we bring this meeting to an end. Father, we are so much grateful for this afternoon. Thank you for using your servant, our brother, Dr. David, to, to really expose your words and help us to understand, Lord, who we are and why are we here. And thank you for even helping us to understand more about giftings and their different operations. Let your name be glorified. Father, we pray for this big ODD family. Help us to continue to grow in the knowledge of God and help us, oh God, to put this word into practice. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. God Thank bless you. you. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. bye, -bye. All right. Bye. bye, -bye. Thank you, sir. Thank you.